Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello, good day. This is Jason Grigla, and welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. Today we are going to war. One of the great war generals of history wrote The Art of War. His name was Sun Tzu. He lived 500 years BC, and he was a great Eastern philosopher and general in the army. And his book, The Art of War, has been quoted and reused throughout history because the principles in his in his book about successful war and war strategy and philosophy has everything to do with life and relationships and thinking and motivation and not nearly as much about be the strongest fastest guy and overpower your enemy in his book and in his philosophy the Eastern religion and cultural philosophy comes through instead of force and power. There's a lot more understanding and going with the flow. So today I'm going to read some of my favorite quotes from The Art of War, and I'm going to discuss how that applies to us as mentors, parents, therapists, and anyone else who is trying to win this battle and it is a battle within ourselves and against dysfunction and it's a battle against regression and stagnation and so it is kind of like a war and it's important to know the principles and philosophies that surround war and knowing your enemy is the first thing. And we'll talk about that in a second. So I'm just going to go through these quotes and I'm going to philosophize about them for a few minutes and we'll go from there. The first quote that I love is that rewards for good service should not be deferred a single day with your soldiers, meaning be quick to praise and reinforce positive behaviors. In a lot of ways, we ignore the negatives and just focus on the positives and we let the oxygen run out of the room for negatives and feed oxygen and air to the fire of the parts that we want to grow and expand. The second quote is, do not repeat the tactics which have gained you one victory, but let your methods be regulated by the infinite variety of circumstances. So in other words, we change and adjust in the moment, which is much more of an art than a procedural mechanical decision about following a recipe. And the best way to be that person is to be in tune with the philosophies and principles of how to be instead of focusing on behaviors and, and what to do. If, if your child makes a mistake, sometimes that same mistake requires a big hug and a long talk and an ice cream cone. Other times it might require 
in the moment, in that situation, a sharp punishment, rebuke, or retaliation, depending on what they need. And so you react to the situation to maximize success and not just to the behavior. Sometimes if we sense that they are ready for a change, we might forget the consequences altogether. And an old-fashioned parent, a behavioral parent, um, previous generation parents would say, well, if they lie, they have to have the consequence because that's the only way they'll learn. And if I don't give them the consequence, they won't respect me. And that's just a load of crap. I'm not saying be loosey-goosey and let them off the hook. I'm saying the variety of circumstances changes in every situation. And we can have constant victories if we can be intentional and flexible and malleable in the relationship. And it's a dance. It's not just a one way I react to what they do. The next quote is, the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. How many times as a parent have I let myself get pushed around, suckered and lured into losing my cool, losing my peace of mind? How many times have I gotten into a power struggle or have I been set up to react in the way they expect me to react in the worst form, in the lowest form, the lowest common denominator of me as a parent? And so if I'm in a good place, then I'm not going to let them move me and I'm going to be where I'm at, how I'm at, and react in the ways that I choose to. The next quote. Begin by seizing something which your opponent holds dear, then he will be amenable to your will. This isn't a quote about manipulation as much as it is a principle that unless they value something, they're not going to invest in the interaction, the conversation, the learning, or the change, or the growth, or the request. There has to be something in it for them. More often than not, the most effective way to do that is to have a relationship of influence and to make sure that they have buy-in. If the only buy-in you have is I'm the parent or I'm the boss and you have to do what I say, you're going to lose. And if we just do consequences, then we might get temporary change of behavior, but not long-term effective, sustainable change of perspective and growth. The next quote, if soldiers are punished before they have grown attached to you, they will not prove submissive. And unless submissive, they will be practically useless. If when the soldiers have become attached to you, if consequences are not enforced, they will still be useless. So there's two parts to that. The first one is they need to know how much you care before they care how much you know. And if you don't have a relationship of influence, then your position of power will very quickly lose all influence. And that's why we talk about relationships of influence instead of power of influence or position of influence, because they're, they're ineffective, practically useless, according to Sun Tzu. And then the next part says, if soldiers have become attached to you and you change what you say and you don't follow through, they won't respect you and they will be in crises because it will be unknown. That doesn't mean punishments being enforced is the most important thing. The consistency there is more important. That means if you have rules, make sure they are valuable, healthy rules. If a rule gets in the way 
of accomplishing what you actually want, then throw it out. If what you want is for them to like you, you're going to fail. If what you want is for them to do well and to collaborate where they hold you accountable and you hold them accountable and you're doing it out of support, not out of fear or mistrust, but you're both trying to do good and do good things and you know deep down they want to do better and they know you're not going to give up on them even though they disobey or try to get out of it. If you say, I'm never going to give up on you, and then you give up on them, then your attachment to them is useless as well. The next quote, who wishes to fight must first count the cost. How many times have we spent a ton of energy, emotion, time, money, fighting battles just out of the sake of stubbornness or distraction or a habit of saying no? I remember being in the habit of just saying no because I was exhausted and empty and tired and everything they wanted and asked for. My immediate response was no, or I would choose every fight because I thought to be a good parent or mentor constantly and consistently had to be on them for what they're doing wrong. Now, one of the most common advices I give to parents that I work with is you need to have four or five good interactions for every one negative. Even if it's an honest negative, the relationship has to stay there. When we have students attending our, our school, Techie for Life, I ask the parents to let us be the quote-unquote bad guy and hold the line and hold them accountable. And I want the parent to become a favorite uncle or aunt type character where they are mentors, almost like it's your best friend's daughter or son coming to you for help. You wouldn't tell them what to do. You might give some advice, share some perspectives, but most likely you'd tell them that you believe in them and that you think that they'll be able to figure it out. So only fight the battles that are worth battling. I remember a long time ago when we first had Dalton and Leah's foster parents, the first thing we needed to do was teach them not to swear out loud when we went to church. There were so many issues we had to deal with. We had to prioritize them and only fight two or three at a time and only one at any given moment. And our first one was, how do we get them to not say the F word when we take them to church? And that was that was our first battle. So we prioritized. And then other times, I simply choose to completely ignore a negative behavior because I haven't had enough positives that it will go well. And I need the interaction to go my way. I don't want to go into a battle if I know I'm going to lose, unless it's a battle I need to lose to win the war, which then I'm still winning. I'll give more examples of that maybe later. If your enemy sends reinforcements everywhere, he will be everywhere weak. What, what that means is if we try to fight every battle, if we try to build them up in every way, we will be focusing on so many negatives that we will be exhausted and spread out too thin and we will never win. And so that's more a principle or statement about us as a part of the battle. We can only focus on one thing at a time. There's no such thing as actually multitasking. We might be able to switch tasks quickly, um, but if we have all of our energies spread out trying to cover every problem and every potential, we will burn out and then we will burn them out and then we're of no use. 
The next quote is that there's there's two that kind of go together, or even three. Let me read these all. See if you can think ahead to what what it might mean for you and what the common denominator here is. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. The greatest victory is that which requires no battle. The wise warrior avoids the battle. So if we think it's our job to throw out our relationship with them because it's our job to be the bad guy, it's our job to be the reality checker, and because we love them too much, we can't let them get away with stuff, and it destroys them, and it destroys their relationship with us, then we have rationalized that going to battle, even if we lose, is worth it. Battle is like contention. Contention is always destructive. Conflicts are inevitable. You're always going to have differences, disagreements. But once a conflict or a difference turns into contention where they're not okay and we're not okay and neither of us are okay with each other, then contention destroys attachment, relationships, and intimacy. And so we really do need to choose our battles and make sure that we keep the relationship intact first, not because we're their buddy-buddy and we let them do what we want, but because they know we are going to be consistently in the corner for the parts of them that are healthy and good, and that we're going to be the enemy of the parts of them that want unhealthy, ineffective life choices and lifestyles. The next quote, bravery without forethought causes a man to fight blindly and desperately like a mad bull. So if we get into the fight or flight mode with them, we are not thinking logically or clearly, and we're going to ultimately lose the battle because we'll lose control. We won't be in a state of mind to have it be like an art form. We will be behavioral, reactive, and rarely does anything good come of that. The only time those things turn good is when we're done and we say, I am so sorry. That isn't who I want to be. That's not how I want to show up. I'm sorry I said it like that. I'm sorry I acted like that. I really lost my cool. I wish I would have done this or said this, and I, I hope you'll forgive me. And, and that has nothing to do with saying that what they did was right. It has everything to do with saying what you did wasn't effective or who you want to be, how you want to be. Next quote, one may know how to conquer without being able to do it. You can read all the books in the world, but without some experience and practice or without being in your higher brain, you're not going to utilize the information or you're not going to do it well. So it requires not just information, clearly parenting books um, have good information. And yet most of the interventions and procedures that we read for our children either didn't work at all or they only worked temporarily because they were new and interesting, but they immediately wore off as soon as our children lost interest. Um, so knowing how to do it is different than actually doing it, which takes practice and being in our higher brain, being in a good place. The next quote, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. I just gave you the example where if I lost my cool and I screwed up, I could actually turn it into a positive by being consistent with submitting, being humble, being honest, 
making honest assessment, owning my mistakes. And that in that is a great example of a healthy person who loves somebody, someone who can soften and let their guard down and take the high road. The next quote is, there is no instance of a nation benefiting from prolonged warfare. Any parent that is consistently focusing on the problems always destroys the child. No matter how well-meaning they are, there's no good feeling and no effectivity in it. So contention often is war or battle, but we can be in a good place and win, or we can be in a bad place and run the risk of losing because we're not in our best self, in the best state of mind that we could be. Take breaks. Let your children have breaks. Send them to their grandparents or a brother or sister for a while and make sure they have lots of positives. One of the best advice I give parents often is when they go on a home visit, I just want you to nurture, uplift, and give them lots of love and refill their cup because we are really pushing them to their limits at, at Techie for Life. And I, I need them to go home and be refueled. You at home, your family, that's their roots. And while we're trying to get them to grow their wings, which is exhausting, they still need their roots there and consistent. So the next quote would be, when you surround an army, leave an outlet free. Do not press a desperate foe too hard. I think we've all seen with the art of mentoring, when we've crossed the line and pushed someone out of their comfort zone into crises so that they're no longer capable of learning, they go into fight or flight mode. It's not worth it. And the art there is knowing when to press and when to pull back. Next quote, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. The principles there, there's several that I love. One is we get ourselves into a really good place. We get ourselves on stable ground. We find our peace of mind. We become intentional and thoughtful and then we go intervene and influence. But if we go to war and jump into conflict reactively and then try to figure it out, we're always going to lose. And that's how we become defeated. How we are in the conflict is way more important than what we say or what we do. The next quote, so in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and strike at what is weak. Picking your battles is important. If someone is really bad at money and they're not managing their money well, and yet they're in the very action of shooting themselves in the foot by losing all of their friends and pushing everyone they love away from them, and we choose to go talk about and try to lecture them about money management, um, we're going to lose. So put the bigger things off until you attack the things that are actually, number one, important, but also worth attacking, meaning they're more realistically going to be affected and changed. Next quote, move swift as the wind and closely formed as the wood. This is talking about how, and I think this is a great one for parents, the next part of that says, attack like the fire and be still as the mountain. So once you're decisive, 
attack like the fire and get it done. Don't do it halfway. If you're going to try to win them over, win them over. Don't kind of do it and then get mad and say, I quit. It's not worth it. And then closely formed as the wood means parents need to be on the same page. And I would rather have them be wrong together and be a unified front than to have one right and one wrong and they disagree and they try to attack or approach an issue um, separated because you will fail. And then the last one, and be still as the mountain. When we are sure we are at peace, we can attack like the fire and still be at peace that we're okay and we know what we're doing and why we're doing it and we know how the battle will end or we're okay with how the battle ends because we're in a good place to attack. The next quote, it is easy to love your friend, but sometimes the hardest lesson to learn is to love your enemy. Your loved one is not your enemy. Their dysfunction is not your enemy per se. It's just where they're at. Learning how to accept where people are at and learning to accept what is like a disability. Those are hard. It's so much easier to love typical children who actually respond than it is to love children who don't give back much. And of course, it's horrible to say that we might have more or less love for some children. And I, I think that's probably wrong. I think we probably love our children all the same. There is no way we enjoy all of our children equally. And I think love and enjoyment are somewhat connected, but I would still walk through fire and do everything I could to help all of my children because of who I am. Um, so learning to love is what puts us in a good place so that we're intentional about how we are in the situations. The next quote, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. What that looks like is when you're aware of your loved one and what they need, and you're familiar with their weaknesses and their strengths, and you're in a good place, as you go to battle to engage and influence, you're going to be okay no matter how it turns out, even if it takes 99 times of failing to get the one success. Now, if you're in a good place, but you don't really understand your loved one, you're going to hit and miss. And every victory will also have a loss or a defeat because you're kind of shooting in the dark, but you're in a good place. And, and so it will be somewhat effective. But the last one scares me. If you don't know yourself and you don't know your enemy, you're just reaction. You're just reactive and it's total chaos, fight or flight, um, chemically induced and it's usually very ineffective and destructive. So of all the quotes on there, I wonder which one was your favorite. I would love for you to email and share which one meant something to you for where you're at in your situation. I love the Eastern philosophy in general for parenting, whereas the Western philosophy is force and do, and the Eastern philosophy is more about how to be 
and how to react. Um, and so just studying anything, Eastern philosophy, including um, Taoism and Buddhism, um, I'm a very strong Christian, but when I actually happen to read the Bible, I see a lot of Eastern philosophy in Christ and in his teachings, which is appropriate because he actually lived in the, the Near East instead of the Far East, um, but they are actually closely related. Maybe that's a topic for another day. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you ever read Sun Tzu, I hope you apply it to your life, even if you're not an army general. Thanks and have a successful battle. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. E.com.